Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Black woman. Beautiful. Powerful. Resilient female of African descent with skin kissed by the sun. Conversation. A talk, especially an informal one, between two or more people in which news and ideas are exchanged. We love being black women. Black women are ambitious. Black women are confident. Black women are diligent. We are tenacious. We walk out of our houses put together. We are many shades and personalities of fabulous. But we as black women don't talk about our dilemmas, current events, and what's going on every day that affects us. So... We created this podcast as a way to laugh together, cry together, and have an open conversation about life as black women. Oh, that's deep. Black Women Conversations. Hey, Nicole. Hey, Janine. How's your week been? It's been a very light on your feet week. Because, you know, I'm seeing a nutritionist and they had me on this, or she has me on this reduced calorie diet. Well, I guess it is a he. The doctor is a he and the nurse practitioner that I talk to regularly is a she. Um, But I'm on a reduced calorie diet. So a thousand calories is what I can eat. So for dinner, I'm eating cucumbers, blackberries, and these crackers with this little sauce on top of them because once you've exhausted all your calories for the day you have to like how many calories do I have remaining hmm maybe a hundred let me see what I can get together that's gonna fill me up and be under 100 calories how about that so it's been um yeah it's been an interesting week how's your week been Johnny okay let's go back so are you doing HCG diet? Because that's the only diet that I've ever been on that you eat a thousand calories and can still survive. Because like, I think that that's just enough calories for like brain function. No, I'm not on the HCG diet. I'm on an appetite suppressant and a thousand calories a day. But, you know, to maintain like my goal weight, I'm only supposed to eat about 1400 calories a day. So the thousand right. calories is not like a ton less than what I'm supposed to be eating. That's because you're little, mm-hmm. right? Oh, 411. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I don't know that I could do that, though. Like, I do remember when I was on HCG eating like Melba toast and like and like having cabbage soup for lunch because, you know, cabbage doesn't have no calories or like eating like celery and being like, oh, this is great, but not really because it could really use some peanut butter. But that's going to eat up too many of my calories. So I, I wish you luck. And I'm sure that you will lose weight in inches. But like, don't don't go too far. Just, you know, everything in moderation. So how was your week? It was good. It was really busy. I literally think that I was out almost every night this week. And I have been very comfortably in pandemic land for some years now. And by pandemic land, I'm not saying that I don't go outside and do things and go to work and all of that. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that I have been in this like slower much more methodical world of work 
and focus and growth in that area rather than networking and out and event after event after event, because I do events like I, I wasn't adding to additional events. Right. And now we're back to the rat race of trying to figure out which event you're going to attend. So on Tuesday night, I had two back-to-back events, which I only ended up going to one. So Tuesday night, shout out to Brandon Macklin and Erica. They did this um, golden night of greatness, which honored some people in the DMV who are like amazing in all kinds of industry, right? So they gave out these awards. It was super awesome, super well done. It was amazing. And they honored my mentor, Cheryl Jackson there. So I had another event that I was supposed to go to and I couldn't go to that because like, how do you not go to something that's so amazing? And they're honoring my mentor. So like that was important. So I went to that event. And then the next day I got a random message that was like, hey, there's an opening of this new spot here and we really would like for you to come. So I went to that and it was just one thing after the other, after the other. So this week was really busy. It was productive, but it was very, very busy. And yeah, that was it. I mean, life be life in, you know, keeping some people in prayer because there are a lot of, uh, there's a lot of like death that's around, right? My best friend, she lost her grandmother and her aunt all within a week of one another. And, you know, one of my other friends is going through some, some situation with one of her family members, some health issues with one of her family members. And it's just a lot of like things that are going on. And, they all come back to this one like thought that you that you just have to be so grateful for life and no matter how terrible it sounds or looks or how like bleak your outcome seems to be like you just got to be grateful that you're here another day and i know it sounds super cliche but like you know when you start seeing a bunch of death and you start seeing a bunch of illness and aches and pains and all these kinds of things and when you are realizing that you're approaching 40 i don't know if you felt like this before you turned 40 but you're like okay Like now I'm getting to a big age, right? And now I have to realize that like past this point, it's very likely that I have more years behind me than I have ahead of me. So I don't know. It's just this thought of just being grateful for life. And, you know, you just got to take life for what it is and be appreciative that you're on this side of of glory, as the old folk used to say, right? Because I don't know. It's just, I guess, the mindset that I'm in right now. It's a lot going on. But I'm not about to let it stress me out. Well, Janine, I'm glad that you're not letting all this stress you out because losing loved ones and helping people cope with the loss of loved ones can emotionally be a whole, whole bunch. So um, I completely get that. Uh, But you're right. You know, life is short. We don't know how long we have on this earth. We don't know the day nor the hour. So my thing is, especially once I turn 40, I'm like, uh, it's time for me to be intentional about enjoying life because... We're like waiting to go on vacation, saving for this and saving for that and waiting until this year and waiting to to have a birthday party until you reach milestones. Yeah, no, I'm going to celebrate them all now. (laughs) I'm going to celebrate them all now because so many people have literally been taken away over the past couple of years that it's, you know, it's mind blowing. And you look up and you're like, oh, my God, somebody else has passed away, especially when they're your age. It starts to hit home like, oh, wow, this person graduated high school with me and they passed away. This is real. Any of us can be taken away from here at any at any point. So get right with the Lord and live your life intentionally. Okay, amen. 
So for our listeners, how has your week been? So what have you done that's interesting this week? Has this week sucked for you? Are you living life too? Let us know about it. You don't just have to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Make sure that you actually are subscribed to the podcast so that you get the alerts. So like we post the stuff on Facebook and Instagram so that you can know what's happening and make sure that you didn't miss anything. And then when we see things that we want to share with you, we share those things as well. Or like if we have messages for you and then make sure that you share us with your friends and then you all can have conversations about the podcast. All right, Janine. So what's on our timeline this week? Okay, Nicole. So Deborah Lee is on our timeline this week. And I'm sure if you're listening to this Black Woman Conversations podcast, you probably know who Deborah Lee is. But just in case, she's most notable for being the chairwoman and CEO of BET from 2005 to 2018. So Deborah Lee holds multiple degrees from both Brown and Harvard. She sat on a number of boards, including the National Cable and Telecommunications Association at Council and the National Cable Television Association. Don't know what the difference between those things are, but look, y'all. She sits on boards, right? And then she currently is on the board of directors for Marriott, like the hotel chain, and Revlon. She also sat on the board of Twitter, but I think that that was the Twitter before it became Elon Musk Twitter. So I'm not sure if she still sits on the board there. But look, y'all, you get the point. She sits on a lot of boards. Deborah started out at BET as the general counsel. And when she started out at BET, she took a pay cut, right? And she took the pay cut at BET because Bob Johnson, the founder of BET, said, you will make up the money over the years. And it did actually come to fruition. So in 10 years, she became the president and COO of the network. And a little less than 10 years after that, she became the CEO. And during her tenure, the company had more than $100 million dollars annually in revenue. And under Deborah Lee, she took the network from being, you know, predominantly music videos to having some like actual original programming. So if you all remember when like BET started coming out with like its actual shows and some movies and things like that, that was under the Deborah Lee tenure, right? And then she did all those really dope award shows like BET Honors and Black Girls Rocks and all of those things. That was all under her tenure. So She like recreated the mission statement for BET. And she also, if we recall, launched the Centric Network. So while she was at the helm of BET, she was busy. She was also named one of the 100 most powerful women in entertainment. So like she has like credentials. Now, y'all, I just ran down just a, a fraction of the credentials that she has. And let me tell you, none of those things are why she's on our timeline. So as you can imagine, with all of her career achievements and all of the things that she's experienced and all the cool people she's met and all of the things that she's done, you can imagine, and I mean, we have to also mention all of the glass ceilings that she's broken. You can imagine that she probably has a pretty interesting story, right? Like she probably has quite the stories from experiences with people and things that she's figured out along the way and things that she might have struggled with. She probably has quite the story, but... She said that she's always had this idea that if she tells her story or the way that she lives her life is so that other people don't have to maybe struggle as much or have such a hard time in specific situations that she kind of trailblazed, right? So like it's easier for the second person if 
she shares her story. So she's kind of always lived her life like that. So recently, just last week, she released her memoir. And the name of the memoir is I Am Deborah Lee. It also is her tag on social media. She made note of it, so I'm going to make note of it for you all. So the name of her memoir is I Am Deborah Lee. And she says in this book, she shares both her stories and advice about, you know, how to get through some of the situations that she's experienced. And she shares the advice because I think, based on the interviews that I've heard her have, she's sharing the advice because there was no one before her that shared advice for these situations. So she wants to be the person to, you know, impart that kind of knowledge on the next generation. So on this campaign for her book, I don't want to call it a campaign because it makes it sound like she's running for office, but on this, like, you know, promo tour for her book, Deborah Lee went on Good Morning America and she did an interview with her good friend, Robin Roberts, right? And in this interview, and in this interview, Robin like dives right in with the questions, right? And she gets right to the juicy part. She says, so in the book, you talk about your working in personal relationship with former boss at BET. And then she asks her, so what is your advice about the power dynamics for women in the workplace? Now, to be very clear, her former boss at BET was the same man that I just referred to, Bob Johnson, who founded the network and the same one that brought her to the network to take the pay cut that he promised she would make up the money, which she did. That's the boss that she's referring to. So apparently in this memoir, she talks about her personal and professional, I'm assuming, but more so personal based on this interview, relationship with Bob Johnson. So to answer Robin's question, Deborah Lee says that she wanted to tell the story because the power dynamic is so important in a relationship, she said. And it's especially important in a relationship that you have with someone that you work for. So then she acknowledges that there are plenty of potential pitfalls, but she goes on to kind of give us the tea about what the relationship she had with Bob Johnson was like. And she said that she had a relationship with Bob Johnson that started after she had already been working for him for over a decade. So this wasn't something that like they met and it was love at first sight. It wasn't that right. She's saying that she had been working there for a decade and then they developed, you know, past this working relationship that they had into a more personal relationship. Now it's unclear as to how involved this personal relationship was, but it seems to be a little hot and heavy. So she says that he was her mentor and he had been pushing her and she gives him essentially credit for a lot of her success. So there is some very positive exchange between the two of these people, right? They're both two very powerful black people that are at the helm of this company and they're successful and clearly work well together. But she said that they had a relationship and unfortunately, they had a relationship while they were both married. Now, Miss Lee, let's just call it what it was. Y'all had a little bit of an affair, which we get it. It happens. We forgive you. Forgive yourself. Now we're going to move on. But we're not going to pretend like we were just having a relationship while y'all both married. It's called an affair, ma'am. But she said that they both ended up divorced. And then their relationship was out in the public. So after they divorced their respective spouses, they 
just, I guess, went public with this relationship. She says that the people that they worked with knew. It didn't seem like the company knew as a whole, but like it seems like they were out in public together. They were a thing, right? And she said they started going places together and they started being seen together, photographed together. You know, in the industry, once you're photographed together, it's a thing. Whether it's really a thing or it's not, it's a thing, right? So it seemed like they would live happily ever after as two black executives atop this large black network, right? Nope. She said that the downfall of the relationship like that is when you want to get out of it. Typically, that's the downfall of most relationships. But back to this power dynamic of someone that you work for, it becomes a little different when one person doesn't want to be in the relationship anymore. So she said that she kind of saw that this was this relationship wasn't going to be long term. Right. And she wanted out. But she said that her career was being held over her head. So. I'm trying to do the timeline in my mind, but she had been working there for 10 years. Then they started this relationship. And then she says this, she said that it was about 20 years into her career when she wanted to get out of it. The relationship started when she had been working there for 10 years. And then it wasn't till 20 years that she wanted to get out of it. So they were dating for about 10 years, if my math is right. So she wanted out. But her career was being held over her head. And she said that she really couldn't do anything because that means that she could have lost her job, that she could have possibly lost the ability to get another job of that caliber because how are you going to get a job when you can't get a recommendation for someone that you've been working for for 20 years, right? She said at the time she was also a single mom and she said it was tough. She didn't want to do this anymore. She knew she knew that she still wanted to do what she was doing for a living and she still wanted to be able to take care of her family, but she didn't want to do it anymore. And she said that, you know, there wasn't really anyone that she could talk to. There were no other female execs that she could talk to. And there were very few female mentors. And she said that she was a little bit embarrassed by the fact that she found herself in this situation. So she didn't want to talk to her family about it. She just kind of internalized it and dealt with it. And she said that the way that she got through this whole situation was with therapy. And then she says, eventually, Bob Johnson left the company. When Bob Johnson left the company, she was able to live her dream. And then she went on to run the company for another 13 years. And obviously, as we know, the company flourished. So she said that she told her story because she wanted people to know that there are other forms of harassment and it's not all ways like a man coming to the hotel room door with a robe on, right? It's not always someone trying to get you to like sleep with them in the office or whatever it may be that we kind of have pinned as the picture of harassment. She said there are other kinds of harassment, right? She said that she had a relationship that grew into something that at times was consensual. But she said that she reevaluated what the relationship really was. And I'm paraphrasing here, but kind of how healthy the relationship really was and how consensual the relationship really was. She said that she pondered that after she saw all of these things from Me Too and Time's Up. And she pondered, honestly, if she really had a choice. Because while... She consented at one point when she didn't want to do it anymore. 
what would the consequences have been if she decided that she was out? It's a cautionary tale of the potential dangers and pitfalls of having workplace relationships. I don't know, Nicole. I'm a little bit torn by this one, but what do you think? I definitely think I need to read the book. What I want to know is the timeline of her promotions, all of them. And I say that because it seems to me that Deborah Lee is trying to sell books and she is playing the victim here to sell books. And look, she's making headlines now. We're talking about her now. USA Today wrote an article. I mean, like everybody is talking about this right now, right? But Deborah Lee does not seem like a victim to me. You have a 10-year relationship with somebody. Seems like you sort of kind of slept your way to the top when you uh, have an affair with the founder of the organization that you're working for. And aha, alas, you become the COO and then the CEO. Really? So I want to know the timeline. You know, how long were you sleeping with them before you started getting all these promotions? Because it seems like you just slept, crept your way to the top. And then he leaves and you take over, huh? And you have found no way out. After 10 years of a relationship with the man, you want it out. But let's say this happens to people that are in open relationships, even if there was no affair. If you are in a relationship with someone that owns a company and you want to get from under them, naturally, most people will leave the company. Do you have to leave the company? No, you could, you could have, you're, you're an attorney. You could have told him you would have hit him with a legal suit had he forced you to leave. You could have started looking for another job without his recommendation because people do that as well. Hey, I don't want the company to know I'm looking for other opportunities. I can provide you with a letter of recommendation for somebody else if you need a reference. You list your references. You don't have to list him. Or you could have said, you know, babe, I think this is a conflict of interest. Maybe since we're getting serious, maybe I should look for another job. And then when you get your other job, then you leave. But it seems to me that when all of a sudden the relationship becomes a little inconvenient for you, then it's a problem. Then you feel trapped in the relationship. And it wasn't until 2017 when Time's Up came out that you had said, well, wait, wait, let me think. of. Wait, wait, was it all consensual all the time? Okay, wait, wait, is this healthy? I don't know if this was healthy for me. Seems like you're playing victim when it's convenient, and I don't like that. And I wouldn't be surprised if Bob Johnson and his estate came back and sued her for slander because that is, uh, that's wrong. You had a 10-year relationship with this man, halfway affair. His wife should be furious. I wonder what she was thinking if you're out and about with her husband. She had to have known if you're saying that other people in the company knew. She helped start the star BET as well. With her husband. So, you know, she had to be floating around at some point around there. So you weren't feeling, you know, crazy then. You weren't threatening to tell his wife then. You were humping and humping around, being happy on the arm of the owner. I think that she used this man to get her way to the top. Until I see the timeline approved otherwise, this is what I think. Here's the thing. I don't necessarily know that I took it as her playing victim, right? Like, I think that... She's probably contemplating the the unique challenges of being in a work relationship, right? Because, you know, like the way that she even presented it to Robin, it was almost like, you know what you're about to get yourself into, right? And then she, the way that she phrased it was there, you know, it's all great until you find yourself in a situation where someone wants out. And that's real. Like we all know, but that's with any relationship. It could be with a relationship at work. It could be a relationship at 
at, you know, you could have met the man in the grocery store. When someone wants out, someone's going to be uncomfortable, right? Like someone is going to have their feelings hurt. Someone is going to be like, this sucks. This is not what I planned for my future. Unless y'all are just toxic and you know, it's just time not to be together no more. Right. Um, so I don't know that she's playing victim, right? I think that she probably was in a, just a, a negative relationship. Like the, it sounds like the relationship went sour and when the relationship was sour, they let it extend past its expiration date. And she probably was genuinely unhappy, but I don't necessarily think that she was a victim. Now, the the concept, like I would like, you know, to your point, Nicole, I would need to read the book to figure out how was the job actually held over her head? Was it held over her head or was it like, you know, was he saying kind of what you're saying, Nicole, like maybe we don't need to work together anymore, Right. Like, maybe it isn't the greatest relationship. Maybe we don't need to work together. And who knows? Maybe that's why he stepped away from the company. We don't know. We don't know the insides of this. But based on the timeline that I've seen from her career, it seems that she was already the COO of the company based on the timeline. And again, this is me doing research from like Wikipedia and and the, the bits and pieces of blurbs from the book, um, that it seems like she was already the COO of the company before. So she was pretty high up there before they started to have this relationship, right? Because 10 years after she joined the company, she became COO. So she was initially their general counsel. 10 years later, she became COO. And in my mind, that's probably when they started working probably hand in hand on a day-to-day basis, as opposed to, hey, he's probably calling the legal department. Now it's CEO, COO have to see each other. It's like president and vice president. Do you think that there are days where the president and vice president and their teams are not communicating? No, of course not. So now they're probably working more closely together. And then it's like, well, now we see each other every day and we're interacting with each other every day. And we're probably, I mean, you have to remember, this was a fledgling network. This isn't the BET that we know of today, right? This was back in the 90s and early 2000s when we were still just music videos, right? It was a fledgling network. So in my mind, as they worked together to grow the network, they probably it was probably a lot of late nights, early mornings, flights, hotels. It was probably a lot of that. And naturally, if I'm having late nights, early mornings, late flights, early rises, and I'm coming to the, the airport looking like yesterday, I mean, not for nothing, those kinds of situations are conducive to affairs. This ain't the first affair that people done had. Like, let's be honest. So I don't know that it's a, I don't know that it's an, um, how do I say this? This is going to sound bad. I don't know that she's a victim because I don't know the level at which it was quote unquote held over her head. And we're really just hearing one side of the story, right? But to your point also, Nicole, and I wrote down some notes. And one of the things that I wanted to, to reiterate from your point was, These are two very powerful black people, right? Like today, as they sit right now, he owns, um, I I believe he still sits on the board with BET. I believe that he owns like RLJ companies and a a bunch of other things, right? So like he, he's very powerful and influential. And we all know who Deborah Lee is because she ran BET for so many years. And she self-admittedly said that he's responsible for a lot of her success. Again, to Janine's point and to your point, Nicole, these are two very powerful black people and both very powerful entities in their own right. I hope, I really just hope, and I think that she's a lawyer. She 
probably knows. I hope that she uh, like had him agree in some way to releasing this information in the memoirs. Now, obviously, it's public knowledge to the people that were in their circles, but like outside of the the entertainment industry, I don't really think that many people knew, which is why it's making such like noise now. I don't think that many people knew that they were seeing one another. I think that we just said, oh, here comes Deborah Lee. It's another company. Like we just kept seeing her, right? Like we didn't know that they were together. But I hope that she is not trying to play victim here. I hope that they consented to releasing this information as like a cautionary tale so the other people won't have to deal with it. Less victim, more cautionary tale. And, you know, like, I don't think that she should disparage his reputation, right? Because he did something very big. Like, he created the first black network, TV network, ever. And you can't take that away from him, right? And we're not talking like Bill Cosby. Like, this is not what this is. They were two consenting adults for a decade. They were together, right? But also, Nicole, I'm a little bit torn, right? So. I thought about this earlier. I get the whole concept of like, you know, workplaces kind of shunning relationships. I get it. I understand why nepotism is a thing. I get it. You don't necessarily want to have someone that you are romantically involved with or related to be in a direct chain of command with someone else, right? I understand that 100%. But I'm a little bit torn about this because one, we spend a lot of time, eight plus hours a day with the people that we work with, right? And I really kind of broke this thing down in my mind because I was like, why is this such a thing, right? Like, why do do we live in this world where we don't want to be in relationships with the people that we work with or we don't want people that are in families together to work together? Like, that's why, how do we get here? But think about this, Nicole. When you're a child, you spend the most of your time at school. Your relationships, you have a a little school crush when you're a kid, right? Elementary, middle school. Then when you get to high school, you have your first love, right? Like we do deem it the high school sweetheart. And then when you go to college, your classmates that you spend most of the time with are the people that you're supposed to find your one, right? But all of a sudden, when you get to the workforce, it's not okay to socialize in a romantic way with the people that you spend the most of your time with. It's mad strange. If you really think about it, it's like they groom you to be with the people that you spend the most of your day with your whole life. But once you hit the workforce, it's like, oh, no, 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 no. Don't talk to these people. It's not safe. But it's like I spend the majority of my time with them. They understand what I'm doing every day. They understand what my life is like. They understand the struggles of my industry. They understand me and what I go through on a regular basis. And then you expect them not to form a connection. Y'all, that's a little backwards. If you really sit down and think about it, it's a little bit strange. Again, I get it. Nepotism is real. So I understand that it can present problems. But I would really like to say this. Like, if companies kind of figured out a way how to have people that have romantic relationships work together or how to like report the romantic relationship or something of that nature, it might be a better situation because people would not be as, I think people would be able to one, spend more time with the people that they love. And then two, you know, the people like, you know, it's a different kind of way that, that my husband can give me a look and tell me like, I've had enough of your stuff than my coworkers. Cause my coworkers don't know me and I might go upside their head for all they know. They have no idea. So you can check someone that you have a different kind of relationship with that you can't check 
if you just see them, you know, eight hours a day. It sounds crazy, but like, you know, you have to, you really have to think about that. And then I also think if for whatever reason, BET, and I don't know what BET's policy was, but let's say BET had a policy, right? That you could just report your relationship to say, hey, we are now officially like registering our relationship, right? Then she would have had some recourse. When she said that her job was being held over her head, she would have had some recourse. She would have been protected because you can't say, you can't hold somebody's job over their head when HR knows about it. Because HR is going to be like, well, nope, uh-uh, you can't do that. You can't let her go because y'all not together anymore. You can't do that because now she's protected. So maybe workplaces should probably come up with another plan for this. I don't know. That's just me. Most companies do have a reporting policy, right? That it doesn't say you can't date this person at all. It just says we need to know about it. And it needs to, you need to have a professional working relationship. When you are dating somebody or sleeping with somebody, you tend to get comfortable. Professionalism goes out the door. You you tend to let what's happening at home come into the workplace, which if you are an employer, you don't have time for that. You don't have time for the drama. You don't have time for the arguing. You don't have time for the, I'm coming to this meeting late and I'm going to slam my clipboard down. You don't have time for any of that. So I can definitely understand why people don't want you to fraternize. And I can also understand if there is a reporting policy, why there is one, okay? Like, hey, we don't need these people working on the same projects together because they're together, right? I understand that. But uh, when it comes to uh, to Deborah Lee, the thing that worries me is that she said she didn't examine that relationship until 2017 when the Time's Up movement came out, which meant that she was thinking if she was a victim. And she also used the word, harassment. Okay. I, you doubt that Bob Johnson would say, oh yeah, you can go ahead and put out there and go ahead and tell him I harass you too. I mean, really? I don't understand how that is not damaging his reputation. Now she looks silly uh, coming out here saying this after having this relationship with 10 plus for 10 plus years, but there's no doubt in my mind that she's trying to play victim using the words harassment and bringing in times up. Okay. That's all I'm saying about that. But we'll see how this Deborah Lee thing um, sort of uh, pans out because 10 years after she started working for BET, she became COO and she had an affair. Did she become COO because she had an affair? Hmm. The verdict is still out. You can shake your head. No, but we don't know that. He could have slept with her and said, uh, I'm gonna make you COO tomorrow. We don't know. Could have been. And here's the thing. I wasn't shaking my head. No, because I don't know. I mean, could I do some digging and probably find out? Sure, I could, but I'm not going to do that because I don't honestly care. I want to read the book. So I want I want to read the same story and understand the same way that she wants everybody else to understand it, right? But the reason why I shook my head is because I don't understand the purpose of her coming out with this story because it doesn't do anything but make her look bad, right? Like it almost kind of negates all of the things and her accomplishments by saying, well, did you get here because you were sleeping with the founder? And- that's the part that I hate, right? Like I hate, it's kind of like when you see black people fighting in front of white folk and how it's embarrassing. And it's like, y'all go take that somewhere else because now it just looks bad, right? And it's not that I don't, like, look, I don't care who she sleep with. She can have an affair with whoever she wants. If she want to sleep with the devil, she can. That's not my business. It's not my business to, to, you know, monitor who this woman decides to share herself with. 
That is not my business, nor should I care now because they're clearly not still sleeping together. That the, the issue that I have with this is she's a black woman that made huge strides and she's a black woman that broke through many a glass ceiling. And she's a black woman that is a pioneer in her own right. And now she's allowing this to overshadow her career. Who cares? It, it's, it's almost like self-inflicted. Like, why did you share? Would you just trying to get it off your chest? Is this part of her therapy? Because if that's the case, then have at it. Tell everybody that you slept with a man. I don't care. But my point is, like, I just didn't understand because it almost, like I said, it almost negates all of her accomplishments. And it shouldn't. Maybe I'm thinking of it wrong. Like, maybe I'm thinking because if it was a man, I wouldn't be like, oh, it negates his accomplishments that he slept with the, you know, the owner. I wouldn't say that. So maybe I'm thinking of it in a very, like, misogynistic way. But that's how the world is. And she, Deborah Lee, and we can't take her accolades from her. But Lord have mercy. Did you have to tell us that you slept with a man? I don't know. Maybe I just didn't want to know. Maybe th- maybe it's me. Girl, she's trying to sell books. You ready to talk about some of these uh, letters from our listeners? Let's do it. All right. So our first letter says, Nicole and Janine, I just found out my husband is having an affair with another person at his job. I found out because he left his phone on the dresser while he was in the shower. And I went into his social media account and realized he and some woman were sending direct messages back and forth. At first, I didn't realize who it was. I thought it was just flirting because he really doesn't have time to have an affair. He's always working. I kept scrolling, then ran into some naked pictures. That's when I saw her face. It is his boss. I then pulled up his text messages, and sure enough, he and his boss had been sexting and having midday rumping on the clock. I was in shock, upset, and disappointed. I confronted him, and he admitted that he had an affair and was very apologetic. Then he explained to me that he has gotten two promotions in the past year and that this is what has afforded us the house we just closed on. I paused and thought about it. If he ends the affair, this could mean he has to quit his job. This could mean someone looks into his pay raises to see if they were merited. Is my husband really sexually hustling for me? Ladies, do I ruin our livelihood or make sure he leaves the house with clean underwear and cologne to be ready for his rendezvous? I'm pissed, but not sure what to do. Help Lacey. Okay, Lacey. Now, everything I'm about to tell you is it ain't got not, not a bit of Jesus in here. So, y'all, I'm just going to say this. I love the Lord. I really, really do. But I literally just turned while you were telling the story, Nicole, I literally just turned to Ken and said, hey, Ken, if your boss was trying to sleep with you, would you tell me? And he was like, I don't know, because you'd be funny. Because before you got to the point of sexual hustling, which I actually like that term, like, is, is he sexually hustling for our family? Look, by no stretch of the imagination, am I saying that someone should have to sleep with someone else to make a living, right? Unless you are a sex worker and there's nothing wrong with sex work. It's the oldest, oldest profession in the book, right? Um, but I don't know how I feel about this, Lacey. If it were Janine, and I don't know, I would have to, I would have to see how my husband is interacting with said boss. Does it feel 
as though he is intrigued like is he emotionally invested into this or is he just doing what he has to do so that she can maintain and he can keep a job as i just said that i actually just thought about like 15 problems that can come along with this sexual hustling side side gig that he has so what happens if he continues to sexually hustle and then it turns into hey i want you to divorce your wife or then like that's how People end up on Snapped because somebody done showed up like Amy Fisher showed up at what is the man Joey Buttafuoco's house and tried to shoot and kill his wife. Like that's the kind of that's where this kind of situation ends, Lacey. But honestly, for a moment. I mean, you got to figure out how invested into your marriage you are, because this can go left, Lacey. This can go far left and you could end up without a husband. But even if you end up without a husband, you'll have some money. So I don't know which is more important to you. Do you want to? maintain your marriage cuz i could say like you know say something and then you know maybe he loses his job and then you can figure it out cuz you know the lord will provide but really my flesh wants to tell you that girl put him on some good cologne and some clean drawers and send him on out to get you a paycheck okay nicole you know i'm all kinds of wrong so tell the lady some good advice please <laughs> don't listen to Johnny. Don't listen to Janine. You don't know how many women this woman's sleeping with. You don't know how many women he's sleeping with either. You don't know if he was the person that pursued her or he or she pursued him. You don't know. But what you do know is your husband's stepping out on you. And so now you have to say, where does my moral compass lie here? If you're sleeping with your husband, you want your relationship, you got a family. If I were you, I would tell him, you need to break it off today. Tell her, I know, or I'm going to call her and tell her, I know. She can't fire you. Report her to HR if she does. So this is not the 70s, okay? If your boss who's sleeping with you fires you, you can sue them, okay? I would tell him to start looking for a new job just in case. And then you need to go to counseling. That would be my advice. Don't ever let dress your husband up for somebody else. That sounds crazy to even think about. I mean, logically, I understand the finances of it all, but you got to put your morals in this. You got to be willing. You know, if you, you compromise yourself, you're literally compromising bits and pieces of yourself every day. Don't do that. Keep your marriage intact. You can always find another job if he needs to. All right, Janine. So what does your letter read? So my letter says, Nicole and Janine, I need your advice. I'm currently in the process of divorcing my husband. Don't worry. It's amicable. We've been separated for some years now. We are just merely finalizing the divorce. We've been together since high school, but it doesn't matter because that's not why I need advice. I'm writing you all because I have a bit of a moral dilemma. I own a few restaurants in Louisiana, and they've been doing well. The restaurants are my babies. I have to put my all into these restaurants as I no longer have any help with the divorce. No, I'm not losing the restaurants in the divorce. And to be honest, I don't want to lose them in future divorces either. Let me explain. I'm seeing this young honey dip that manages one of my restaurants. We've been casually dating for a few months now. The other day, I mentioned in passing that 
I would be so glad when my divorce was final. Not really thinking about it, last night he told me that he wants to make things official as soon as the ink is dry on my divorce papers. I don't know how to feel about this. Part of me is flattered and part of me has a lot of questions. One, I'm not divorced yet. Two, I don't even know if I ever want to be married again. And three, hell, we're only dating for a few months. Plus, he's 32 and I'm about to be 50. He was just supposed to be fun. Ladies, what do I do? Please help. Signed, Alicia. Alicia, this is a pretty straightforward case. Okay, so what you do is you talk to your love bunny and you say, listen, I haven't even finalized my divorce yet. I need some time. Like, I don't want you to propose and then be disappointed because it's not you. I love you, but I really need some time to process everything. I need some time to find who I am as a single person. I need some time to regroup and make sure that financially I bounce back from the marriage before I jump into something really quickly. So I'm trying to move slower. Slow the pace of the relationship down. Okay, slow it down. And if he's managing a couple, uh, you know, a couple restaurants, don't go to that restaurant as often. Okay, don't sleep with him as often. You know, if you really are trying not to be with this man and trying not to marry this man, cool down the relationship. But I think that the direct approach is always the best approach. And if you know that you're not going to be ready to get married and you know that he wants to propose, say, listen, I do not want to move too quickly after my divorce. I don't even know if I want to get married again. I've been burnt. I, I need to emotionally, I need to process everything. I mean, be honest with the man. Now, if you are like, oh, I do want to marry him. I just don't know how to figure out the whole restaurant thing because I don't want to lose my restaurants. Then say, listen, I went through a lot to keep these restaurants. I'm just letting you know, I'm going to have you sign a prenup so that in the event that we divorce, I still maintain ownership of the restaurants. And if he says no, he can scat. I mean, you know, he doesn't have to be there, period. That's what I think. Alicia, to Nicole's point, it's super cut and dry. You own a ton of restaurants. You are saying that these restaurants are your babies. You didn't say if you actually had real kids or not. You didn't say anything else about your life other than you're getting a divorce. First of all, I'm going to need him to want the ink to dry. This seems to me, and I'm not going to speak about your little honey dip, as you called him, but it seems to me like he might be a little bit of an opportunist, right? Because what is the rush? Like, why, why are we rushing into making things official? We've just been dating for a few months. Even if you weren't getting a divorce, we've just been dating for a few months. I need time to know if I really like you or not, or if I'm just liking the D. Like, what's going on here? Like, we don't, we don't even know each other for real. Like, it sounds like he might just be attractive, and he might be fun, and he might be intelligent because you have him managing your restaurant, but is he managing your restaurant because he's fun and he's attractive and because you're sleeping with him or is he managing your restaurant because he's actually qualified to manage your restaurant? Look, I'm not making any judgment on this man because he ain't my man and I'm not dating him and I'm not trying to date him. Right. But I, I would give you like the idea to proceed with caution because you have a lot to lose and it doesn't seem like he has as much to lose as you do. So I'm not going to tell you what you should and shouldn't do with this man. 
but I am going to tell you that you need to protect your assets. And this episode is making me sound like I am a bit of a capitalist gold digger, but I am not. But protect your assets, girl, because it. what if he says down the line that you harassed him and, you know, they they have to subpoena our records of the podcast to say that you said that he was your honey dip and y'all was just supposed to be playing around and now you done had to fire him. We don't want we don't want that. And we don't want we don't like going to court. OK, so why don't you just do this? Why don't you pump the brakes like Nicole said? And once you finish pumping those brakes, really take some time to yourself and determine what it is that you want, because you've been in this marriage for a long time. And it didn't seem like you were in any rush to get a divorce. You said you've been separated for years, but you didn't get a divorce until just now. And it's amicable. Y'all, it just sounds like y'all grew apart. Maybe you need to determine who you are before you hop into another relationship. And that's not only fair to you, that's fair to him too. Because while it all sounds fun and dandy, it, nobody wants to be the rebound person. It ain't fun. He might think that he does because he probably sees, you know, dollar signs. But don't nobody really want to be the rebound person? Like, figure out you first and tell him, like, you know, if you have, if you kind of feeling him the way he's feeling you, you could tell him, like, it's not that I'm not feeling you. I just need to understand what I want in life. Because, girl, you're 50. And I'm not trying to make you feel old, but you're 50. You have to be intentional about the things that you do now. Just saying. And this honey dip, like, I don't know. Do you, I, don't, I don't know. Look, if you like him and you want to make things official, then feel free. But I suspect that you probably are having a sense of hesitation, too, since you wrote us. So, girl, pump your brakes. Give yourself some time, some months, some years. Feels like it's only been days, honestly, because, yeah, y'all, give, Alicia, give yourself some time. Well, yeah, do that. Because this is a lot in a short amount of time, girl. Come on now. All right, Janine, what did you learn new this week? I learned nothing new, but I have a fun fact. So I did not want to say I learned something new because I was going to share something that people probably don't know. And it's very interesting, right? So fun fact, both Deborah Lee's late son, Quinn, and Bob Johnson's daughter, Paige, went to school with me. Temple? No, 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 no. High school. Well, oh, wow. Paige left before high school. But yeah, they went to the same school that I went to from kindergarten through 12th grade. I went there and I don't know like at what point they started. But yeah, obviously they're younger than me because I'm old. But yeah, absolutely. Y'all see Janine going to school with the rich and famous, these elite schools that she attended. <laughs> oh, Go ahead on. All right. Let's see who else you know. All right. Well, I learned that I was reading a Forbes article and uh, they published some data from Volt.com that showed that 58% of employees have engaged in romantic relationships. And surprisingly, 72% of those over 50 have been involved with a coworker. So listen, 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 Linda, Linda. Our menopausal women getting a swerve on at work. All right. I'm not even mad at it. I'm not even mad at it. Okay. Get your sexy back. And it's a safe time because you know you're not about to get pregnant. 
Yeah, but you Same. can still you can still get them STDs. So make sure yeah. you're careful on that one. I'm just saying, y'all. Look, we all know that there are the, the pitfalls of work relationships, right? Like we know that. All I'm saying is, we use discretion with everything else. Why we can't use discretion for this? Like, just saying. I mean, get it, get it in. Just be safe. Now, I will say these uh, postmenopausal women, you know, having sex with these men, if their wife has cervical cancer or passed away from cervical cancer, we see that all the time. And now all of a sudden the new wife has cervical cancer or HPV is carried by the man. Okay. So just be careful about those things. All right. Wait, what? Say the, repeat this again. Cause I don't think, I don't. HPV. Hold on, pause. Hold on. Give us a break because I'm I need to wrap my mind around what you just said. So let me make sure that I'm understanding what you're saying. You're saying that if the the previous wife like has passed away or has had cervical cancer, been diagnosed with cervical cancer, and you have HPV or cervical cancer, is his fault. Yeah, because He's carrying the virus, the high-risk virus. We see that all the time. A woman that has normal pap smears her whole life, all of a sudden get a new relationship, getting a swerve on. All of a sudden in her 50s, she's HPV. She has HPV and a high-risk pap smear, right? Now she got to get copos and leaps and all these things. What changed? Did your sex partner change? Yes. Did his first wife have abnormal paps? Yeah. Switch up one partner. I'm telling you, y'all better be careful. Y'all, I I mean, you should see what my face looks like right now. And I, not that I'm surprised that this actually happens. I'm just, y'all, be safe. Please use protection. All right, Janine. Are you ready for the motivational moment? Let's do it. So my mama always said, don't eat and dish in the same place. You know exactly what that means. You wouldn't eat dinner in the bathroom. So why get involved with someone outside of your marriage at work? This is not a smart decision. You could lose your family and your livelihood at the same time. Wise up, ladies, and rise above. Until we meet again. Pray, work, slay. And show off your melanated excellence. Bye. Oh, That's Deep, Black Women Conversations is produced by Nicole Lee Plenty and Janine Brunson-Johnson. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Get the Oh, That's Deep, Black Women Conversation podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or where you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate us. You can follow Oh, That's Deep, Black Women Conversations on IG at Oh, That's Deep, BWC. Oh, That's Deep, Black Women Conversations is a mean old lion media production. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply.